Hey listener, thank you for joining us today. Today's guest is Liz, the creator of the hit comedy webtoon Finding Fiends, a story chronicling a Steve Irwin-like Finn as he hunts cryptids with his cameraman Mothman on his way to internet vlogging fame. We had a great time unpacking Liz's story, learning about how she harnessed her love for telling stories through her comics, why cryptids fascinate her so much and underpin her story, some smart advice on using Instagram to build your Rolodex, and some practical advice for rising art students if they are contemplating comics as an art teacher herself. We had a great time talking with Liz and hope you enjoy it too. Hey Liz, how's it going? I'm great. How are you? I am doing well. Let's dive right in. I'd love to have you share a little bit about who you are. Yeah, so I'm Liz. I am from the wonderful state of Wisconsin, born and raised. I've always, always loved making stories and writing comics. I have a sketchbook full of comics that I made every day when I came home from middle school. Um, And it's only grown from there. So I love um, that I got the chance to make my own comic for Webtoon, Finding Fiends, and in the process became obsessed with cryptids because it is a comic about cryptids. And that's about where I'm at right now. I also have a day job. I'm a part-time middle school art teacher. So burning the candle at both ends, making comics and teaching art. Let's talk a little bit about the comics that you made growing up. What got you into making comics in the first place? You know, I I think it was just always with me. Like right away when I was little, I just loved art. And right away when I was little, I wanted to make stories, um, not necessarily with art, but just writing in general. Um, I know both of my parents were really encouraging of it. My mom has a book where before I could even write, I would narrate stories I was making up to her and she would write them down. So I think it was just something I was born with that I wanted to tell stories. And I got really into um, manga in middle school. I would say that was my first step into comics, not American comics, but Japanese comics. And from there, I was like, I could probably do this. I've got ideas. And yes, I have some very silly um, comics. I still have them. I hold them dear because they're. I put so much time into them when I was um through honestly kind of into middle or um, into high school I was working on them and uh it was mostly like animals um to start because little me couldn't draw people yet but (laughs) I had a lot of fun and it really just kept going it stayed as my hobby forever and eventually I was like wow I think you can actually make money off of this perhaps (laughs) so it was born out of just a love of doing it for fun. And here I am. So what sorts of stories would you draw? You mentioned that you would focus on animals because they were something that you knew how to draw early on. What were yes. the types of stories that you would tell? Yeah, I think overall just kind of like adventure stories. Um, I had the one that I wrote so much of and drew so much of was about a dragon and a dog and a tiger. And they were like best friends. and just kind of like the drama between them. They lived in like a magical land and the dragon was like the last of 
dragons in their world. And it was funny and it was kind of basic with like, there was a main villain and uh, he was after the dragon. I honestly can't even remember a lot of it, but I love just kind of like an epic adventure story. I think inspired by the manga with a lot of manga I was reading had like the really serious parts, but then also lots of like fun and silly parts. So that's what I always wanted to do too. So you started off drawing animals and you said that cryptids are obviously a big part of what you draw now. When did the cryptid yes. obsession start? And for, for the listener who doesn't know, the, the definition I found is it's an animal that has been claimed to exist, but never proven to exist. So like Sasquatch and Loch Ness are cryptids. Um, I didn't know cryptid as a word until I read your comic. So something new that I learned. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's a bit of a Pandora's box into that world because some people in real life take that very seriously. (laughs) Um, But honestly, I didn't like I kind of knew about it, but I didn't really get Interest is like the wrong word, but like just pay attention to them until really recently, I would say um, the last couple of years. Um, I always loved animals and like fantasy creatures. So it wasn't that big of of a leap for me. Like I said, my middle school comic started dragon. Um, So I I was like, yeah, I was the dragon and like unicorns and castles kid. (laughs) And so, to find out eventually that there are people who believe that there are actual these weird creatures that are undiscovered or unexplained and people have seen them and there's all these like lore around them. I was like, that's really fun. Like I, I'll just say right away, I don't believe them until we really see them. (laughs) But I think, I still think it's, it's fun that we basically are creating like uh, like American folklore with these stories and other creatures around the world, not just America. And I, I just started to look into that really when I started developing Finding Fiends. I found out more and more and more. Um, I also started watching a uh, infamous show called BuzzFeed Unsolved. Do you know? <laughs> they cover a lot of cryptids in their show. And um, in a really fun and humorous way, but also exploring just the folklore of it. And um, eventually the the Finding Fiends world started to evolve in my head from there. But it it was really recent, like I said, only the past couple of years when I started putting together Finding Fiends. And folks, it's Finding Fiends, not Finding Friends, as I have. <laughs> as I have made the mistake myself. But how did you come up with the concept? It's one thing for you to start with cryptids. It's another to, for you to kind of create this world and then move on with the characters that you have. So yeah. how did it all come about? Yeah, it, it really came together in bits and pieces. So for several years, and I genuinely am not really sure where this initial idea came from. I just randomly one day thought, you know, it's a really funny idea if there was like a Steve Irwin crocodile hunter guy, but only for supernatural creatures like cryptids. And I do remember thinking to myself, that's really good. That's funny. But I did not do anything with it. I just kind of had it in the back of my mind that I was like, that's pretty funny. I bet no one's done that. (laughs) That was basically (laughs) all I thought. And so years go by literally I just have that thought and I put it on the back burner 
Um, and I have several other stories I'd love to eventually make. Um, and one of them is another one that's a supernatural world. And quite literally for a punchline alone, I was like, I'm gonna design a Mothman. I've seen him around on, on the internet. I've seen pictures of him and heard about it. And I've seen this BuzzFeed Unsolved episode about Mothman. Um, I'm gonna design him just for fun to be a joke in this other comic that I'd like to make. So I designed this Mothman. And first of all, shout out to one of my friends, uh, Ashley, who I sent her this drawing of a Mothman design. And I was like, what do you think? Because it's a little hard to differentiate and make unique a Mothman design because all you have to work with is like red eyes, tall, dark figure and wings. So I sent her, what was the original Dave? And she didn't say anything, but she sent back my picture, but she had drawn over it on top of it, the little kitty mouth that Dave has. And I was like, oh my gosh, yes, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> that's the key. <laughs> this has taken this, the design from 10 to 100. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, it was literally just for fun. And I was like, this is so funny. Um, but I do really like this design and it's too bad I made this for literally just like a throwaway joke. However, then I, again, I'm not really sure how this thought collided, but suddenly I was like, hey, that cryptid guy, that was like the Steve Irwin guy I thought of a while ago. What if I could do something with this Mothman and him, who is just a concept still? And uh, it kind of started to go from there with that one colliding thought was like the, the big bang of creating Finding Fiends that like, what if I take this Mothman combine it with that idea of the crocodile hunter cryptid guy. Um, and I do have this, I, I've always had this issue where I will have an idea and I always take it like, I can't just have it on a surface level for fun. I have to take it deeper. Even if I'm like, I don't think I'll ever do anything with this. <laughs> I just have to develop it. So I immediately tr started trying to develop this into like a full concept. I was like, well, obviously, the, the Steve Irwin guy has to have a show to show his showmanship um, and of being a cryptid expert. And then I was like, well, so then is Mothman like his friend? Is it just a reoccurring thing? And I thought, well, he needs a camera guy. What if Mothman was the camera guy? And that was another moment of like, oh, my gosh, that's so good. That's so silly that a uh, cryptid show would have a cryptid as the camera camera guy <laughs> and honestly from there it just turned into more of like how can I get this as like a solid idea with like what's the plot what's if there's any conflict or is it just silly um initially I was probably thinking it was just going to be all silly and not really anything further than just jokes but like I said I always have to take things deeper and develop them more so I started building in like well what's Finn's Finn is what I named him eventually I was like what's Finn's deal um what are his uh goals what's he trying to do maybe people uh in this world is just like our world and nobody really believes in cryptids besides some uh and um 
I added things in about Finn's mom and some magic and eventually a third character who will be coming into the comic soon. I guess going back to what I said, it was a huge like piece by piece puzzle coming together over several years. But once I had it all together, it was like it took off running. I started posting about it and then posting about it and posting about it. I had so many ideas for it that I was like, I think I should post this on Webtoon Canvas, which is a new website I've heard about. Mm-hmm. And the rest of, is basically history now, but not too, uh, too long of history because that was 2020 and it's 2022 right now. <laughs> so long buildup, but quick execution. <laughs> That's a remarkable buildup and congrats on, on getting to be an originals artist, you know, within two years of a new project. In terms of your format, it's a shorter, punchier comic and you weave, you know, weeks where it's a joke and just a funnier interaction between Dave and Finn and something a bit more serious where you might go into Finn's past. So how did you think about your format all the way from like, oh, should I do a 60 panel thing versus I'm going to make these like short, punchy jokes with something a bit more serious weaved in between? Yeah, a lot of it has to do with initially when I was talking to Webtoon, I was talking to an editor at Webtoon. What I was initially posting on Webtoon Canvas was very short already. And um, they liked it. So they were like, you know, we think we should keep it short like this, especially if it's comedy driven. But there was talks about because I was very new to Webtoon. In fact, when I started posting on it, that's like the first time I even really explored the website that was in 2020. Um, And so I didn't realize that uh, there was kind of a lot of variation in how many panels each comic had. Um, But uh, I was basically under the impression that the more, uh, the comics that have more panels that are up to like 60 are usually the uh, stories that are more like heavy, heavy plot dialogue don't know another way to phrase it except that maybe drama or Mm -hmm. romance things that need a lot of stuff going on in order to get the plot rolling if that makes sense so I but I was happy to keep doing the the shorter form format because I also initially when I was putting together finding themes I actually as much as I loved drawing it I also was thinking I would love to pitch this as a cartoon to somebody so the entire format I was building it around it being a cartoon basically so an episode which uh would have a lot of jokes and a little plot and the next time it would start over with more shenanigans different place different stuff monster of the week type scenario um a little more plot as we keep going so That was my thought process from the beginning was kind of treating it like a regular cartoon. So short, comedy driven, but there is stuff going on across as you keep watching all the episodes. I was really inspired by a lot of cartoons. I would say probably newer cartoons, but also ones from when I was younger. Um, But in particular, one that comes to mind is Gravity Falls Hmm. from Disney. Very big inspiration for finding fiends in a lot of ways, but uh, especially in that really started as like shenanigans and 
uh, silly stuff and wow, it's so weird here in Gravity Falls and slowly developed into having what I would consider honestly kind of some serious stuff go down in that show with like a villain and, and uh, a lot going on, which I think is awesome. But stuff like that is what was inspiring me to put together this format. I love a slow burn as, a, as an audience and as a writer. So I also was just like, I think this is going to be a slow burn story. It's going to be still comedy driven, but there's going to be a long plot happening in the background. So what was the process for you to become a Webtoons Originals artist? It was very short for me. I was already posting my art and stories online. And uh, like I said, I had just heard about Webtoon in 2020. um, And I heard it was a good place to post comics that you can upload for free. And also then read ones that are the originals on Webtoon. And I was like, that's a great idea. I wish that existed when I was younger because I've always been into web comics, but they're always like kind of scattered around the web, at least especially when I was growing up in like middle school and high school. So I thought it was great. There's a big app with a lot of comics and you can post there yourself. And a lot of people had been asking me if they could read all of my works in order. So win-win all around, I start uploading. It was about, I think I started uploading for like four Halloween in October of 2020, just what I had already made. And I got approached in December, like the end of December by Webtoon. The person who approached me had already followed me on social media before. So she kind of was familiar with me and uh, was excited that I had started posting on Canvas. And we had a long period of like talking and figuring it out. And uh, eventually I accepted the offer and it took off. I started actually make remaking um, the entire comic in July last year. So July, 2021. So like I said, it was like kind of quick once it came together for me. Then I was like, why don't I post on Webtoon? Then it was really quick when Webtoon was like, hold on, we really like it. (laughs) I know they, I think they in general kind of like to scope out people. Uh, I mean, I don't think this is general. I don't actually know anything about how for sure things work at Webtoon. I'll just say that right away. But I think a lot of times they do like to try to find people who they haven't gotten too far into the story. So they can grab them and be like, hold on, we like this. So when it comes to remaking a canvas story for originals, like what are you changing? Are you changing parts of the story itself? Is it more on the detail around what you're drawing? What does that look like? I think that really varies by person. Overall, I knew exactly what was going to happen in Finding Fiends. And I presented that to Webtoon in like my pitch of the entire comic. I was like, here's exactly what's going to happen. And they were like, okay, cool. Um, And I know that sometimes people at Webtoon might have feedback for you, like maybe like some editing help or some help brainstorming about things that could happen. But at least for me, it was kind of like, I know what I want to make. And they were like, awesome. And it came together quick. And I would say the main thing that I had to really learn Um, when it came to adapting from Canvas to the originals was one, I was not posting in the Webtoon format. (laughs) I was kind of posting in my own made up format. 
um, that was just made for uh, social media posts. And number two, um, I had to adapt to the pacing that is required for creating like a webtoon comic as far as like the panel spacing, the panel sizing, um, the dimensions of what you're making, like kind of like all the technical things behind it were, it wasn't so hard for me, but I know for some, it can be kind of a learning curve. I would say it is something that probably everyone has to get used to. Um, but once I got in it, I learned it, I picked it up. That was the biggest thing for me. I didn't really have a beginning to the story. When I started posting on Canvas, it was kind of like I threw everybody into the story. And uh, I had planned to do just like flashbacks to how Finn and Dave met and stuff like that. And I already knew when um, I was in talks with Webtoon, I was like, well, if I start this over, I'm gonna start it over from like the beginning. I think, instead of throwing people in there. So that was really it for me as far as like jumping into the originals was, okay, I'm going to start over from the beginning. I can still reuse some of my canvas stuff and I need to figure out pacing and creating the actual technical parts of the comic. So if I understand that correctly, it seems like the story and kind of what you wanted to do, that didn't change too much because you had a strong sense of what you wanted yeah, I um, I think it forced me to put it together a little more because when I make things for my for fun, it's just all kind of like floating all over the place in my head. Um, and for Webtoon Originals, I got out a document and typed it all out. Um, I actually do episode by episode, like I, how I set it up is I do a table that is just like episode number blank and uh, I put like a summary I'll put like the joke if I have the specific joke um, I'll put like what characters are in it um, and I just do that for every episode I know the the longer comics I believe a lot of people like to actually just script um, but mine is so short I just type it in a little summary and a lot of times we'll just write the actual dialogue in like storyboarding and stuff like that in terms of support, what does Webtoon give you? You always have an editor to help you. And um, your editor is uh, the person to, to go to with your needs for your story. If you need help brainstorming, if you need help uh, just writing in, in general. I know a lot of Webtoon creators um, like to work a lot with their editor on um, the pacing for the episodes, especially the, the longer form series, um, when they should end, like the season finale, what should we end on in the story at this part and stuff like that. So the editors are amazing support. They know how things work at Webtoon and um, they're there to help you uh, make your story and also make sure we get it in a way that works well with the Webtoon format. Because I also think, um, like setting things up as episodes and then seasons, I think is different for a lot of people too. They also will do, they'll check over your episodes for typos, which is amazing for me in particular. I'm very good at making typos. So, so much appreciation to my editor for always doing that. Um, they'll also look for like, when you submit an episode, they'll look for any sort of errors in general, which is also great. I'm pretty sure, I'll just call myself out. I'm pretty sure in the first episode of Finding Fiends, Finn has four fingers in one panel, <laughs> or maybe the second episode. 
but they're great at just scanning over your work for stuff like that. And then also getting into the nitty gritty with you. And it's really up to you, I believe, um, as to what kind of uh, help you really seek out from your editor is, I think, varies a lot from creator to creator. And what's your favorite part of being an originals artist? Um, my favorite part is I get to make my story and present it to a lot of people beyond the scope that I would have been able to just on my own, as far as I think, at least. And a lot of uh, more variety of people than I probably would have been able to reach. I really, really enjoy, I, I don't read my comments a lot, but I do sometimes see or get messages from people that are like, I'm 30 and I read this comic with my five-year-old. And I'm like, that's amazing. Oh, it's not my intended audience, but I think that's great. <laughs> so just being able to reach people like that, I think is my favorite part of being on Webtoon. Did you have a particular audience in mind or did it start with you being like, I find this to be pretty hilarious. I, I really want to make it. It's funny. Um, it, I usually, when I make stories, the, the audience is not as big of a, um, a picture in my mind. Cause I'm like, I'm going to make the story that I want to make. Um, but uh, Webtoon often, um, as far as I know, I think they like to know who you think you want to target with your audience. Um, and the funny story is that when I was making Finding Themes, I was kind of technically making two versions of it. And one was like the one that has, is on Webtoon right now, which is a um, more general audience rating is what I'd call it. Um, and I was playing another version that was more of an adult version. Um, and I don't mean anything crazy by that either. I just mean like, uh, more adult targeted, like one of my favorite shows and a one of my favorite movies is what we do in the shadows, um, which is an adult show about vampires, a comedy. And I initially thought it'd be really cool if I had a version of finding fiends that was more like that. <laughs> So I was thinking about that, but eventually chose to go with the more general audience. I decided that there would be no swears in the comic. That was my decision um, so that it was just a little more, even more open to a lot of different people reading it. And I think it has worked because I definitely get, like I mentioned, a variety of messages from people that are varying ages who read the comic. And I know that I think Webtoon I would guess their audience is mainly teenagers and younger teenagers, but um, it's great to, to reach them. It's great to reach uh, adults and young adults. And then I guess adults reading with their young children, I think it's awesome. I'd love to spend some time talking about your social media. So uh, you talked about making finding fiends for social before you have a huge uh, Instagram following. How do you approach your Instagram and why do you think it's it's so successful? It feels hard to say only because I think Instagram has changed a lot since I started posting on it um, and it keeps changing as does all social media, not just Instagram. Um, and I certainly am not as active on it as I once was simply because I have to dedicate my time to finding fiends. But Initially, when I started 
building an audience on Instagram, my main thing I was focused on was um, making what I liked and excited me. And then also um, making connections. I think people can tell when there's a lot of love put into something and that you really enjoy doing something and people are drawn to people who are enjoying themselves doing whatever. So I, first of all, I was loving what I was doing. It was just for fun. And I think people noticed because um, I was putting love into it and people are drawn to that. And then number two, I was focused on making connections, which was more of the business angle in my mind, because I had just come off of doing some social media for um, two prior companies I used to work for. And they were startups, so it was like brand new, starting afresh, making their social media. And um, one big way to grow social media um, from a business perspective is to connect with similar accounts. So accounts that um, are businesses, business accounts that uh, have a similar product, are doing similar things, are related to what you are posting about and then engage with them. Um, so you make connections. And that's basically what I started trying to do on Instagram as well. Um, and I don't mean it to sound like I was being superficial and trying to connect with people because I wanted to help have them help me grow. That's definitely not it. I was trying to make genuine connections. Um, I followed artists I really liked. I engaged with their posts. I would talk to them sometimes, especially if they followed me back. I would absolutely talk to them. And I did that for a while. It's hard to, to say if this still works, um, this exact thing I'm about to say, because it's changed so much. But I would go home every single day from work and sit on my Instagram and look through like tags that I also use. And I'd like find people from those tags and I'd like and comment on their posts. I'd follow them and then hope maybe they follow me back. I did it every single day when I came home on top of trying to post regularly, um, posting what I like. And it just grew from there. And I know I keep saying like the algorithm has changed and um, the way people interact with posts on social media has changed um, and people migrate between platforms all the time. But I do think at a core that still works in general. It's like the business world where if you want, uh, if you want connections, you have to go make them and engage in the, um, the area where those connections will be. So finding people with similar interests, in my case, it was other original art, um, original character artists or people creating their own original content, engaging with them, connecting with them, and just posting what I like still. In terms of uh, Discord, you, re you recently launched that after uh, hitting 100k subs on your uh, comic. Congrats on that. Thank you. What, what prompted you to create a Discord for your readers? I wanted to from the very beginning. And actually that, that Discord, even though I just launched it, um, it has existed, the servers existed since like last year before mm -hmm. the, the comic even launched. Um, I just knew 
basically going off of what I was saying that it's great when you can connect with people over similar interests. And I thought, well, if the comic gets enough people, it'd be awesome to have like a little hub for everyone who's interested in it that they can come and hang out and talk. I've been in other Discord servers before um, or known people who ran their own themed servers. So I kind of knew how it worked. I recruited some friends to help me make this server in particular. Um, So it was really just built around, yeah, wanting wanting more connections. I'm always happy to talk to people about finding fiends. So I wanted a place where people could talk to me if they want. I think it's just great. I know a lot of a lot of webtoons like to not necessarily make their own server, but have a server that they might join um, that someone else made and um, talk about the comic. It's awesome. And on, on the monetization side, you've tried a few different things that I want to talk about. The first is your Patreon. So can you talk a little bit about how you've thought about your Patreon and what you offer to patrons? Sure. It's really changed um, over the years. Initially, it was... I mean, I think it's always been just a tip jar. I knew that um, coming from Instagram, I was like, this big of an audience, there has to be people who might want to tip me for engaging. If they really like my comic work that I post and they read it a lot, then it'd be awesome if I could be like, hey, well, you could tip me if you want. Um, That's really how it started and how it remains still. Um, I went, I leaned a little into it. when I was, uh, but kind of, I would say in the pandemic, because I had a lot of time in 2020 and 2021. And I posted a lot on there. I started posting like, um, besides just like, here's my work in a higher definition than you'd probably see on social media. I also started posting like behind the scenes stuff, like um, work in progress or um, a step-by-step of how I did pictures. I also briefly, I, um, I don't do this anymore, but I briefly offered like Patreon only commissions for people who are patrons could commission me to make art for them at any time hmm. instead of waiting for me to like open them to the public um, and stuff like that. I tried to focus on like at one point when I had a lot of time to do so, I tried to focus on just being able to offer perks beyond being a place that you could tip me. Um, and at this point it's mainly just, it's come back down since I don't really have a lot of time. It's come back down to a place that I just post, um, look ahead scenes of finding things, just like a single panel of an upcoming episode that you can see. Um, it'd be awesome if I had more time to offer a little more right now, but just working another job and doing this, I really don't, I really don't. I mean, you, you literally have two full-time jobs. Yeah. (laughs) So if you had more time, what are the types of things that you would maybe want to offer? It's honestly not tied to Patreon, but I'd love to do some merch for Finding Fiends. Um, I'm hoping to maybe look into it this summer since I'll have a little more time since as a teacher, you get the summers off. (laughs) I absolutely want to make a Dave plushie. Um, (laughs) That's like my ultimate goal. I used to have some stickers of Dave up on like Redbubble and I'd love to do that again. Um, I'd love to get like just the logo of Finding Fiends on some things. A few odds and ends to sell. I would say that's my monetization goal right now is making some merch, but 
it's honestly mostly driven by like, I just want that. I just want a Dave plushie. <laughs> you got someone recently. Is that right? Oh yeah. Yeah. Actually it's on my desk right here. I know you can't <laughs> see it in podcast form, but someone did send me a little handmade Dave is so cute. And I really like there's pictures of it on social media somewhere. It's also in the finding fiends server. Um, but he's so cute. I, I want a bigger version of this. Um, and I know people would like that would buy him because I would say the number one comment I get everywhere about finding teens is I need a Dave plushie. <laughs> so you, you mentioned Redbubble and you've done Redbubble before. Can you walk us through what it was like to get your work on Redbubble and how it supported you as an artist? Yeah, it was honestly, for me, I, it was a low effort thing um, and not driven by money and more so people were asking me, they're like, I'd love to have stickers of stuff you make. And I was like, oh, that's really sweet. I'd, I'd love to do that. Um, so it wasn't, it wasn't driven by making money. It was driven by uh, people are asking me for this and I'd love to do that too. Um, so I, I knew Redbubble existed and there's some other sites like Redbubble, Redbubble that I was like, I think it'll be easier on me too as just as someone with another job right now, if uh, someone took care of all of it for me and I just uploaded the designs, um, especially because I'm not, it's not really something I'm hoping is gonna make me a ton of money. I'm just doing it because I'd really love for people to have access to that. And so I just uploaded some things. I did make some things specifically for Redbubble. Um, I took them down uh, for finding the stuff I made for Finding Fiends. I did take them down prior to um, launching the Comic-Con originals and thinking that, well, maybe I'll bring it back better than ever sometime. Um, and so I do want to do that. Um, but I, I do hope to just do it on Redbubble again, probably, because it's, like I said, just with the amount of time I have, it's great that there are companies out there that will just kind of handle it all for you. And you can also just offer it to people as uh, an option. I don't make a lot of money from it, but I don't mind because I think it's great that people even want merch of what I make in the, in the first place. Speaking of making uh, money, a lot of canvas artists think about, you know, what's the best way for them to make or get some support for making their comics so they can invest more time into it. Um, do you think merch is something that could work for some artists or is it just really difficult for, for smaller comics or comics that are just starting out on canvas? I think sites like Patreon and Ko-Fi are a great starting place, mm. especially if you are a smaller artist or you don't have a lot of people looking at your work and you hope they will soon. I think starting on a place where people can tip you or, and then slowly, if you, whatever amount of time you have adding like the bon the bonuses and benefits of tipping you at like, here's a glance at next week's episode, a panel, or here's a behind the scenes look at how I make it. I think starting with stuff, stuff like that is great because it's really low risk for you. Um, you don't have to put too much effort into it besides like telling people you have it and uploading and that kind of thing, like treating it like another social media. Um, but I think 
if you want to do merch, I think everybody should go for it. Um, it's just a matter of, it is like an extra amount of work um, because you have to get the things made. You have to find whatever you want to make. You have to find the manufacturer to make it. If you had to decide, um, am I going to receive all of this merch and then sell it myself in like a shop front and then have to mail it to everybody, stuff like that. I mean, that's a lot of work. Um, I am always so impressed by artists that um, make just like a ton of merch, um, especially if you go to like a con, um, you table at a con, you have to have a lot of merch to sell in the first place. Um, but I don't think people realize the amount of work it goes on behind the scenes to get that merch made besides, you know, if it's a drawing, um, making the drawing and then getting it put on something. Um, it's a whole journey. So I say it's awesome that if anybody wants to make merch, you just have to think through what's it going to take to make merch and am I ready? Do I have the time? Do I have the space? Um, do I just have the emotional output to do that right now? Um, so I always tell people, you know, if you're posting something, I think it's a great idea to have a tip jar of some, some kind and then just go from there as your audience grows. And what do you have planned for your future? My future is definitely going to consist of making more stories because that's what I like to do. Um, I would love for it to be a full-time affair for me, but I don't know if it ever will be. And I'm okay with either, um, but I just know no matter what I'm doing um, as like a job, I hope to be publishing some type of story as I go, because I have a lot of other ideas besides finding fiends. So I hope you will see more of my work. And I don't even know if it will be a comic or not. Um, I would love to write a story that I think would work better as a book, because I love to just write without the pictures too. So we'll see. That's what I hope my future holds, that I get these other story ideas out of my head and onto the page. So you mentioned earlier, you can't do something for fun in terms of ideas without going deep. Uh, do you have future series or ideas that are thought out? Oh yeah, I've got, <laughs> I've got many, trust me. It's, it's all up here. Some of it's written down when I get smart enough to, to be like, I should write this down. Uh, but yes, I, they are, they run deep because it's what I like to do. Like I said, way at the beginning that I've always really loved to write stories. I think I'll always be doing it and then going way too deep in them. Even if I'm never going to do anything with it. Well, I think we know what we're going to talk about in our next pod with you. Uh, in terms of advice, you mentioned that you uh, teach middle schoolers. So what advice do you give to young students who aspire to be a comic creator or some sort of storyteller in the future? Yeah, um, I think I think one thing I really try to instill in my students as a teacher is that art, you're always going to make a lot of bad art before you make any good art. And you have to have the willpower to get through that. I think my students are probably sick of me saying when they are like, oh, I messed, I messed this up or I, I did this part wrong. I always say, well, now it's an artistic choice and you can run with it. <laughs> um, so trying to develop the 
um, just like the state of being able to run with your mistakes and making bad art and then being able to move on and make more art is harder than it sounds. I think for everybody, it is for me still um, being like, this isn't good, but I, I got to keep going because can only get better as I keep going. Um, and then as far as if you are going beyond, like, I just want to make art, I just want to keep making art. And you're like, I really want to publish work that I've made. I think it's really important to uh, be in love with what you're making, to be your own cheerleader, but to just truly be so passionate about what you're making because of the amount of work that goes into putting together a published work, no matter if you're posting on Webtoon or you are going to be publishing a physical book or, or making a pitch, the work's gonna be so much harder if you're even neutral about your work. You need to really love it and be your, number own, your own number one fan, I think is so important. Don't lose, don't lose your love for what you're doing and try your best to push through the times that you're not loving what you're doing. I love that advice. And I think that can apply to folks uh, beyond being comic artists. So absolutely totally. love that. Are you ready to close it out with our rapid fire round? Uh, I'll try to be ready. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you won't be ready. That's unfortunately oh, okay. <laughs> a trick with the, with the rapid fire. <laughs> uh, which fictional character best describes your personality? Oh, wow. Um, I'll say, uh, oh, that's really hard. I can't do it very fast. Um, I loved the show SpongeBob growing up. I'll say SpongeBob. Wow. SpongeBob is awesome. Uh, three <laughs> webtoons you would take with you on a desert island. They can be any comics. Don't have to be webtoons. Um, I'll do webtoons. I would take uh, Everything is Fine. That's one of my favorites. I would take um, Muted, another one I really, really liked. And I would take Brimstones and Roses. I think those would be my three. If you could pick any creator to have dinner with, who would it be? Oh, I don't know how I can pick any of them because <laughs> I've, I've chatted with a lot of them and they're all so lovely. I would love to just meet any of them um, <laughs> at any given moment at a con or um, anywhere. I did have, I had the chance to have lunch with my editor and that was amazing. But I know there's a couple and I just, so I don't want to single any of them out, but I think there's a couple who are kind of close to me in uh, the Chicago area. So oh, cool. if I get to meet up with them, cause I'm over here in Wisconsin, that would be amazing. What's your favorite scene from any webtoon? Oh man, I think there are so many that uh, are really cinematic, and I just love it. But I, the one that one that immediately comes to mind is another scene from uh, Everything Is Fine, where like the author really played with building up tension by just making an extremely endlessly long panel of a road. And I think as I, if I'm remembering right, it, the color started changing, like getting like redder and darker. Um, and it was just the characters traveling in the car, but it just went on for a very long time. And I thought that was an awesome way to use the format, the scrolling format that you have to scroll and it's like building your nerves and the tension as you keep going and it's just still going. I thought that was 
really, really creative and awesome use of the format. And finally, if you could have dinner with one fictional character, who would it be? Hmm. Maybe it's selfish to choose my own characters, but I'll have <laughs> dinner with, with Finn and Dave. I think that would be an interesting dinner. Dave in disguise if we're out somewhere. But uh, I think they have, I think Finn would have a lot of stories to tell and Dave would just be silly. Um, make for an interesting uh, dinner and a show. <laughs> It's not selfish at all. You created these characters <laughs> and you have not met them in person. So that's totally fine. <laughs> well, please check out Finding Fiends. It's a Webtoon or original. It's hilarious. And Liz, thank you so much for taking some time to be with us today. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you for joining us today. If you have any feedback or want to be featured as our next guest, please write to us at pixelsandpanelspod at gmail.com. If you enjoyed the show, don't forget to subscribe, like, or give us a five-star rating. See you all next week.